Jesus was so intentional about it when you look at who he reached out to, went to the lepers and went to the women and went to those that were marginalized. Hello, this is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission, and this podcast can help you do that. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Michael Staples. Michael is the president of Scripture Union USA. Uh, This is a ministry that works to help introduce people to the Word of God and so that they can be connected to the love of God. Uh, They do this specifically by reaching out to to children. They invite children into a relationship with Jesus Christ through imaginative programs and outreaches, and, and they want people to come to know Jesus through reading the Bible, through prayer. Michael is an organizational leader uh, of Scripture Union USA. He's also a person with a lot of years of experience. He earned a doctorate in leadership and organizational development from Fuller Seminary. He's also served as a teacher and a trainer of others, as well as spearheading projects to youth and children throughout Africa, Asia, and the United States. So, I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, well, I'm sitting here with Dr. Michael Staples. He's the president of Scripture Union, a ministry that helps people meet God every day. Mike, I'm so glad to have you here with us. Oh, great to be with you, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to... to uh, you're on a bit of a sabbatical right now, is that right? I, I am. I'm uh, <laughs> testing the waters to see what God has next for us. That's a good thing to do sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I appreciate you taking time out of that uh, out of that time to 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 talk with us here on the Organic Outreach Podcast, um, Mike. I, some people might know who you are. Some of our audience might not have any idea. Um, I, I've had a chance to talk with you a little bit to look at your a little bit of your story, and man, it's it's fascinating. God's led you from being an international ministry to now here for in the United States, leading a ministry that impacts the nations. How did you get from from there to here? Tell us a little bit about maybe your encounter with Jesus Christ and how the Lord's led you in, into ministry and what gives you a passion for what you're doing now. Could you just take your time and share that with us? Yeah, thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. I, I grew up in the church in a more formal liturgical tradition. Uh, as a teenager, I moved from, you know, Canada, my, my home country of Canada, to uh, the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, found that I didn't really think I needed the church or religion or any of that. Uh, and um, was growing disenchanted with the local church and, and growing disenchanted with life as a teenager. Sure. And, um, you know, it was interesting because at the same time that, that this was going on, there was a, a renewal happening in the city of Pittsburgh. It was the 1970s and it was a, uh, a renewal that was coming out of Duquesne University and impacting uh, all the churches. And I happened to set foot into one of these churches one night uh, as a 14-year-old and, and saw and experienced a love in that congregation uh, that I wasn't seeing in the, in, in the places that I had been. Uh, there was a sense of community and camaraderie that was just, just really, really noticeably different. From anything I, I'd experienced, and there was a power in the gospel. And this was a little Presbyterian church, and uh, but as we used to say, they were on fire for Jesus. <laughs> so was this like during the Jesus movement or the Charismatic movement? Is yeah, this, it was this really kind of that, that time movement coming out of out of Duquesne that 
kind of hit a number of different universities and cities and and um but the thing that was so real to me was that it felt so authentic and it yeah. felt so personal and so for the first time jesus went from being just some corporate thing that we did on sundays to a to a personal relationship and wow. friendship and 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 not just somebody who then would clean up my sins but also give me a purpose in life oh that's and, good uh, yeah and that's what what happened and i'd say that that not long after that, my life began to take on much more purpose. And, um, and I began to think more intentionally about where my life was. Headed. So even, as a 14 year old, it had that kind of an impact on you. It did. I would say that it wasn't until I was about 15 that I began to, 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 to see it more intentionally. But that's awesome. It took, yeah. took a little time for that. To <laughs> well, so, you know, I think in, in, in I, we're just going to press pause for a second. And, and I just want to make the observation how cool it is. I think so often people overlook children. They overlook youth. They overlook teens. And they, they, don't, they don't realize. I, I think sometimes we don't take seriously enough the experience of children. That, that they Absolutely. are... This, when in fact, statistics tell us that it's kids making decisions for Jesus at that age. That it's that's often the defining moment, whether or not they're going to follow Jesus. Do they do it yes. right around that time? That's that's amazing. And and you know, a lot of the research that's coming out of groups like the the Global Children's Forum and 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 Scripture Union, which is a big driver in international children's ministries, is that in many ways things have flipped. And God is using children uh, in many lands, you know, in the world to lead revivals. Oh, wow. Children are taking very prominent roles in in reaching their families and in impacting their communities. Yeah, I I, I I definitely want to talk more about that when we get to the um, when we talk a little bit about your ministry, Scripture Union. So you you were 15 years old. you're, You're following Jesus. How did that lead you into a life of ministry? You know, I was. At one of these conferences at age 16 at Duquesne University, I met uh, some missionaries from Worldwide Evangelical Crusade in England. And I wrote them a letter and I said, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> at 15. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and they wrote me back. I, I think I was 16 at the time. And they wrote me back and they said, well, please finish high school first. We thank you so much. But finish your last two years of high school get a little work experience and, and, and then check us out. And, uh, and that's awesome. And so obviously that was a pretty important step to take. And mm-hmm. uh, I ended up going to Grove city college, which is where my pastor went. And um, my first week at Grove city college, a, a mission specialist with InterVarsity Christian fellowship contacted me and said, we've got to get a missions program started on this campus. Would you help me? And would you meet with me? Wow. And uh, so we got our got the InterVarsity Missions Group started uh, that year, and uh, which meant it opened up the whole world of IV to me. Small group camps, Urbanas, which I went to a few of those, and, and and all those other things, and began my my first missions outreaches my my sophomore year, in which I went to India. Uh, and the more I encountered missions and prayed for missionaries and heard the stories, the more my my passion uh, for reaching, you know, our world grew, and um, and 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 naturally, I knew that God's call was was on my hand to do that. 
That's awesome. So already in college, you were you were already helping give leadership, help organize some of these things so that people's hearts and minds would be pointed outward, um, not just to, to be a, a Bible club, but to think about the gospel spreading internationally. Sounds like that was a passion for you from the very beginning. And then you then you you experience some seminary, and then tell tell us about what what happened uh, it, uh, after seminary when you went out into ministry, some of your years of ministry there. So I um I first went to South Africa as as a full time residential you know missionary along with with the family, and um, it was during an interesting time because it was the the ending years of apartheid and the early years of the Mandela administration. Mm. And um, so it was an exciting time in many ways because you could see the the transition of a country that was, you know, opening up to new freedoms that they hadn't experienced. Uh, it was also a bit of a violent time to be there. Sure. And, um, and I worked with a college initially that was a multiracial college. Uh, and during apartheid, that was just not very common, you know, to have all the races Present. And so that was a real joyful experience to then create multiracial teams that I would take out to do outreach. Uh, and, was and this in, with InterVarsity? Uh, no, this, this was actually through a, a mission agency I was with. Okay. Uh, it was the Assemblies of God Mission Agency. And we would go into some of the neighboring countries uh, with these multiracial teams, and, and their eyes were just opened wide to see that coming out of South Africa, whites, Indians, mixed race people that were called coloreds and Africans were forming these outreach teams. And it gave some of these, these national churches in those countries great hope to reach some of their unreached people groups to see that God could bring uh, these people together, then surely he can bring our nation together. Well, isn't that, I mean, isn't that what Jesus said in John 17? It's going to be, the love we have for each other, right? And then Paul, of course, Galatians three. Now in Christ, there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek. I mean, it's it male nor female. It's 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 God breaking down these these human made barriers that so, so testifies to something supernatural. And and I think it's one of the one of the primary hopes we have as Christians for our own nation as we see uh, the hopelessness that we sometimes feel about the divide of our country oh, and man. to know that that our Lord and his love can transform a nation and he can surely transform our nation. Oh, that's well, it's um, unfortunately it seems like sometimes the church are the ones who are participating in the divide at times uh, in, in, in our culture right now. Well, what did they say? We've met the enemy and the enemy is up. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So you spent some time in Africa, South Africa. You were the dean of a, a of a college. Is that right? At the International Bible College in South yeah, Africa. Yeah, and then also headed up the outreach ministries for the area as well. That's amazing. And then that led you, it looks like you went from Africa to India. Tell me a little bit about I, that. I did. And, you know, when I was in Durban, South Africa, it was the, uh, the, the largest community of Asian Indians anywhere in the world. Okay. You know, India. And, um, and so naturally, I did a lot of work with the Asian community, loved the Asian community, had loved India since I had first gone there in 82. And um, so the doors opened for me to, to uh, head over into that part of the world. And we'll just call it South Asia because I worked in uh, a number of countries there. Okay. Uh, and, and worked in a number of areas with, you know, uh, 
director of, of uh, global university. We had eight centers with a quarter of a million students, wow. um, which was just an amazing opportunity to, to impact a nation. Uh, did some, some development of our seminary. One of the projects that really touched me was a project that was amongst women who had been targeted for human trafficking purposes. They were called temple prostitutes. And, um, and, and the, the, the project had already started previously, but had been somewhat abandoned by the agency in the U.S. that had founded it. Uh, they had shifted to a, a, a much larger scale focus than community development projects. Okay. And, um, and the Lord just put that on my heart and just donors began to show up out of nowhere. And it was just amazing. We were able to get a couple hundred kids in child sponsorship. We were able to, to, to get resources towards the young women who are being targeted, uh, job training program for the women, a medical clinic. Uh, a church of a thousand, and and it was a, wow. a tremendously life transforming, community transforming, you know, project that that had key key partners. I had a United States Congresswoman come over with her foundation and get involved with us and build the Women's Center, and she would bring teams of high powered executive women to, you know, to to jump on board and to volunteer and to share their stories and their experiences and that's incredible it, it, it really was and this was through a gospel lens this was a ministry initiative it was absolutely that's, so you just said something <laughs> that shows how provincial sometimes we can be in the united states i you're saying there was a religious component to this sex trafficking yes can you? I obviously you probably can't go into all the details, but what what do you mean? You, do you mean that there are places in the world where there's still temple prostitution? You know, it's it's interesting how these things either evolve or devolve depending on how you define things. Uh, and when it originally was temple prostitution, it was not that. It was women who were considered married to the goddess, to okay. a Hindu goddess, and they would dance in the temple and they would uh, they would never be permitted to marry on earth because they were considered married to the goddess. Oh, wow. Um, but, but then over time, things changed. So the kingdom where this was all flourishing and where gold and diamonds were sold on the streets, sure. well, there was an overthrowing historically of that kingdom Yep. Uh, now suddenly the women are serving as prostitutes at the temple. And then that devolves even more so over a period of time. And we're talking now 400 years. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and temple prostitutes were called devadosis, which means slave of God. So then they were banished to a, to an area within the city where this is where they live. This is what they do. They can't refuse any man that, comes their way. Um, there's no exchange of money that takes place. The man is supposed to bring some food to help the children. Uh, but oftentimes that stops after a year or two. Oh my. And, um, so, you know, I cannot help, but as you, as you're telling this story, you're, you're talking about social transformation at first in South Africa, where you see God breaking down barriers of race then you talk about this story in India where sex trafficking, which is a, another major issue that's being talked about in our country today, 
the gospel leads to transformation in that. And, and just, you know, when, when human beings make idols of our own hands, we always build systems of oppression and systems of uh, exploitation, right? Yes. And the gospel, when the gospel takes root in a, in a place, it brings freedom. It does. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. And it brings such hope. And you know, when I would walk through that community, I would see the joy on the faces of women who initially were, were brought into our job training center where they were taught skills, you know, how to make dresses, how to do tailoring, you know, different kinds of skills. And I would see some of the women in the community who now, after having met the Lord, developed a skill, had their own business, now own their own home, their children had graduated from school. The very first convert uh, from our program, I, I, I sat in her beautiful home with a color television. Her, her son works for World Vision India. A <laughs> daughter teaches at a Bible college. And another one is a pastor. And, and these are people coming from the, the dregs of society the lowest of castes within India. And yet somehow God is able to, to take that life and so transform it that all of that history no longer counts. That is, that is absolutely what happens when the gospel comes to town. I mean, you, you read the story of the early church and who, who, who did it have massive impact among? Well, it, it cut across all areas of society, but especially among those who were slaves those yeah. who were women, the downtrodden people who were often overlooked in, in society. One of the things that the gospel had a power to do was bring transformation to these things. And Jesus was so intentional about it. When you look at who he reached out to, mm-hmm. went to the lepers and went to the women and went to those that were marginalized. Yeah. Boy, that's, that is amazing. So I, I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to, to camp out in that place for a while, but you are currently serving as the president of the scripture union. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about how you got there and um, what your work there has involved and, and, and just bring us up to speed about, about that. Yeah. So when I first came to scripture union under our past president, <clears throat> he did such a wonderful job at at telling the story of a nation that has tremendous numbers of children who are outside of the scope of the local church, outside of the scope of the love of Jesus Christ, and nowhere near getting a gospel presentation. And so he recruited me to be their national field director to help establish programs to to raise up workers and staff to you know, to reach some of these key parts of, of, of the country. <clears throat> and Which, where are we talking about now? The United and, States? And so, or? Yeah, here, here in the U.S. Okay, and, here in the U.S. And, and the Scripture Union is in 130 countries and, and works with kids in, in different capacities uh, globally. It may take on different shapes depending on the, on the country. Uh, Canada does a lot of sports programs, for example, here in the U.S., we were doing a lot of after-school programs, summer camps. Uh, we've done some technology stuff uh, using both video and, and Bible apps and things like that. Uh, but really, our, our heart to reach the unreached community was that these kids needed face-to-face mentoring. Mm. They, there, there was such brokenness in the homes and the communities. Uh, many children we found are 
are, are, are even coming from some of the newer migrant families in, in which uh, there's some instability in their family structures. And, and so to know that there was a loving club that they could come to every single week and there'd be a gospel lesson, there'd be a meal given to them, there'd be games and songs and, and lots of love. And in some cases, as we got into some of these programs and we discovered that many of these parents didn't even speak English, we then would, would teach English as a second language to the parents and do a gospel presentation mm-hmm. eventually, you know, through that. Uh, but our focus wasn't to get somebody, quote unquote, saved. It was to build a relationship with them and disciple them into God's word. And through that, let an authentic uh, opportunity to meet Christ emerge. And it sounds to me like, like what you're describing is so, it's so rooted in relationships. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in seeing the individual, not just seeing populations. Um, a- absolutely. And it's and- what attracted me to organic outreach was that organic outreach really understands that you begin where people are. That's right. Yeah, so uh, just real quickly, some of, some of the DNA of Scripture Union. Now, you guys, uh, just just briefly, give me a thumbnail sketch and help our listeners listeners understand the scope of this ministry and 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 where it is, and help us understand where you are. So, Scripture Union is in 130 countries. It's throughout Africa. It's in South America, all throughout Europe, Asia, in some parts of the world. We've been around so long that we are in the schools and we are welcome in the schools. Uh, in Australia, uh, Scripture Union supplies over a thousand social workers paid for by the school districts. They teach religion, but they work with struggling kids. They're chaplains, essentially. Uh, in, in northern Nigeria, where those girls were kidnapped a few years ago, uh, those are all Scripture Union girls that were that were kidnapped. Oh my! From Boko Haram, we've got over seven million kids in our programs in northern Nigeria. So, in some parts of the world, we are a household name. Wow! Uh, we've been there so long, and then in other parts of the world, uh, we're not as well known. Uh, but what we do is we find that niche uh, that works. And, and that kind of goes, that kind of finding that niche that works goes back to your founding, doesn't it? It really does. Absolutely. T- for those who don't know, tell us about your founder and how his, his initial kind of steps into this still informs your DNA today. Yeah. Josiah Spires, 152 years ago, went to the beaches in, in the United Kingdom up near Wales, found kids wandering the streets aimlessly, both during the Industrial Revolution and in the cities and on the beaches, took just whatever he could find on the beach, pebbles and seashells, got the kids to draw pictures and told stories out of it and began to tell the gospel story with these pictures. These kids went from just a handful of kids the first couple days to several hundreds of kids by the end of the week. And from there, Scripture Union got its start in England uh, and and grew to the place that it was a a part of the schools in England and Scotland and Ireland and and went all over the world from there. That's just that's incredible. Uh, It's you never know what kind of a difference you're going to make when you start small and say, yes, Lord, which is is what I think you and I both love about organic outreach is that it focuses in on just those those intentional 
decisions we make as individuals. And also it, it helps us um, as leaders uh, work with our organizations. Now, would you mind just sharing a little bit? You, you were telling me that organic outreach has, has had an impact on you personally, but then also it's had impact in your leadership uh, with Scripture Union. Sure. How, how can a ministry that's relatively new help a ministry that's been around for over 100 years? How in the world did organic outreach help you guys? Yeah, thanks. You know, when I first heard organic outreach, I, you know, I, I looked at and I said, this isn't new. This is the gospel that Jesus preached. Amen. And, and this is how we're called to live it out. And um, so older ministries that need uh, to kind of shift their DNA to, to, to be healthy, to be vibrant, to be authentic, to be relevant, and, and to stay true. It's important that everyone, beginning at the very top, takes that position. And so if leadership has its heart right, if our mind is right, our heart is right, our prayers are right, our thinking is right, then hopefully it'll infiltrate the DNA and that'll shift the organization in the right direction. Oh, that's good. Uh, so I took our staff on a retreat, went through the teachings and the videos of organic outreach. Uh, and then we made a pledge and a covenant together that every month we would go through the, the one degree and the two, two degree rule with each other and just check our evangelistic temperature every month and say, where's your temperature at? How can we get it up one degree? Uh, what's, your, what's your activity looking like? What's your, your, your proximity to reaching unreached people looking like? Because it can't be just a program. It's got to be within our own hearts and minds. We've got to be moving in that direction if we're going to move others in that direction. Mike, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I, you can't lead what you don't live. And exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to just thank you for taking time to talk with us. T thank you for taking time to share the story of Scripture Union. What an amazing thing. You know, you don't, I, I don't think we often enough pause and just say, you know, you're, you're sitting in this position at such a strategic place. And it's so easy when you're in that kind of a place to think that your outreach is simply leading this organization. But if we don't personally, as leaders, embrace the call to outreach, how in the world can we authentically call others to do it? Yes. Amen. Well, how can we, you know, I just want to close by asking you a simple question. How can we, how can we pray? How can our listeners pray for Scripture Union and your ministry in the coming weeks and years, days? Well, be, be in prayer for Scripture Union as they're on the journey to find their next president and leader. Uh, it's an important decision for them. And, uh, you know, I've been talking with them and working with them in that direction. And um, so pray for them that way. And, and uh, you know, pray for them also as they wrestle with the question that so many churches and ministries wrestle with, which is how can we be relevant to this next generation? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kids are learning in such different ways. They're processing things in such different ways. And, and, and if we haven't made that adjustment, uh, we can just turn the lights out and say it's been a good 152 years. God wow. bless everyone. We want to stay relevant. So pray for us that we can do that. We will do that. And people can find out more about uh, Scripture Union where? Uh, we have a website, scriptureunion.org. Our headquarters is Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, look us up and uh, 
Uh, we've got lots of wonderful free resources, daily devotional guides, as well as uh, various programs to strengthen churches in their discipleship. And feel free to reach out to us and see how we can be of benefit to you. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your work and your ministry, brother. We'll be praying for you guys. Oh, thanks, Adam. Great being with you. All right. Goodbye. Well, that was great. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, thanks for joining us. I just want you to know I appreciate you. If you haven't had a chance, go on to uh, your whatever app or website you use to do this and give us a review if you're enjoying the podcast. It's something that we love to do. It's a service that Organic Outreach loves to give you to help inspire you to lead and to love people more. I want to also encourage you, help us get the word out by joining the Organic Outreach Media Squad. All you have to do is send an email to info at organicoutreach.org and let us know that you want to join the team. If you do, we'll send you one of our newly minted Organic Outreach Media Squad mugs. Just imagine how jealous your friends are going to be when they see you sipping your favorite beverage in one of these babies. I think you want to do it. Well, for now, (laughs) this is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life 